Hello and welcome to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're a startup church we just planted in September 2020. And at the Kalamazoo Church, we believe that Christianity is done best when it is done together. And so if you live in the Kalamazoo area, we would love to connect. Be it coming to a Sunday service, one of our small groups, or even just grabbing coffee with a member to learn more. You can visit kalamazoo.church in order to do that. We pray that you are inspired by what you hear today. Sweet. Well, thank you guys for coming. Merry Christmas. I, uh, today we're talking about Ephesians. We've been going through it. If you've been around and following along, we've been going through the book of Ephesians the past couple of weeks. Um, we're breaking it down one chapter a week. And today we're actually going to finish up the discussion on Ephesians. I think it's actually really cool. I'm excited to see how the church kind of responds in the new year to this whole discussion, this more in-depth discussion that we've been talking about. I'm not going to talk about the context at all. If you are very interested in the context of the letter as a whole, I think you can go back to Jaren's lesson on chapter 1 or Spencer's on chapter 3 kind of talks about that too. Um, but I do want, before I talk about the scripture, to talk about the structure of the letter as a whole. Okay. Um, I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced this, but I've kind of felt like this, especially reading Ephesians. I think maybe because it's such a short, condensed book, it seems like it jumps yeah. around a lot, a little bit. It'll be like talking about some stuff, and then all of a sudden you're kind of talking about some other stuff. And you, if you read Romans or Corinthians, it's a pretty easy-to-follow flow of thought. And Ephesians doesn't seem like that, to, at least to me. And so, um, especially in chapter 6, where we're, what we're talking about today, it's easy to kind of be like, wait a second, how did we get here? We are just talking about children, and, and now we're talking about the armor of God. Right. <laughs> what happened here? And so, um, so today, I want to kind of shift our thinking about Ephesians as a letter which it is, but I also want to think about it as an essay okay, cool. um, that talks about God, the, the gospel, Paul's gospel that he shared with his church. And he's like, hey, this is basically what I shared with you guys. And so this handout that I, I gave you, uh, it's not been verified or like at all graded by anybody with any real biblical authority, <laughs> but it is something that I wrote that's helped me think about the book of Ephesians. That's helped me as I'm reading it connect some of the dots when it jumps from place to place. And so um, if you look, you know, or if you remember when you were in high school, some of us, it might be a little bit longer than others, but you remember being in high school, you're in ninth grade, and you're learning how to write your first essay. It's like a three-page essay or something. And you have an introduction paragraph, you have a thesis statement, Mm -hmm. and then you have a couple body paragraphs. I actually think Ephesians is written very similarly. We have an introduction paragraph, quote-unquote, for the for chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. And then we have a couple body paragraphs, and I have them labeled out here. And then you kind of have this hinge word, therefore. So it's almost like you have introduction, paragraph A, B, and C, and then it flips, and then you have paragraph C, B, A, conclusion. Okay, cool. It's how I've learned. It might not... Be how other people teach it, but it's how I've read it, and it's really helped me. Yeah, um, and you have this hinge word, therefore, in chapter 4. And so as I'm 
kind of going through chapter six today. If you even look at this, there's chapter six, it kind of covers paragraph B, paragraph A, and a conclusion. So we're gonna be talking about, this is how I'm breaking it down, is we're finishing up paragraph B, talk about paragraph A, and then there's a real brief conclusion. I'm actually not gonna to touch on that at all, mm -hmm. but that's what we're going through. So with that, let's, uh, let's kind of dive in here. We're gonna be in Ephesians. You can be, uh, you can turn over to Ephesians 6. Come on, Alec. <laughs> I'm going to read um, verse 1. I'm going to read verse 1 and 9. And, it, and if you remember last week, we're picking up in this relationship sort of discussion that Paul is having. Last week, the end of chapter 5, he's talking about how wives and husbands are supposed to interact with each other. We're, we're really following right after that. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will, will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So we'll look at the individual relationships in a second, but before we do that, let's just kind of pan out here. Paul's writing this letter. It's an essay about his gospel, and, he, and we'll include the end of chapter 5, too. He's got these three instructions, these three relationships that he's talking about. He's in prison. I want to open this up just for discussion. Why do you think Paul, no right answer here, but why do you think Paul felt it was so necessary to include instruction and dynamic on these three relationships? Um, something that I was really considering as we've, as we've been going through Ephesians and I've been, as I've sat with this scripture specifically so much, um, we've talked so much about unity in the church of the past. However many weeks we've talked about unity, 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 and I, I look at this and something that sticks out to me is I just think it shows that God's kingdom isn't cut off from anyone. We have men, women, adults, children, rich or poor. Everybody is a part of this letter, this church, these group of churches that Paul is writing to. And I just think even like the idea of maybe because I don't have kids, but I, I see kids all the time, you know, in our church and it's like, no, they're just as much of a member of our church as I am, mm -hmm. actually. Like, it's just uh, something. And on top, of, on top of this Jew and Gentile discussion that we've been having over the past six chapters as well, I think it's just really, that's what stuck out to me a lot. And then something else as I was considering this and, and reading this is in all three relationships, now we have the husband and wife, adult, or parent-child, master-slave. There seems to be a relationship um, where you have one person with authority and then one person that's called the submissiveness. And I just think it's really interesting how 
the Bible calls on every single one of these, those who are in authority to reflect Christ. Amen. It says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You know, husbands, their, their love for their wife is self-sacrificial. It's, it's selfless, um, just like how Christ was for the church. It says, fathers, bring up your children in discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, parents are to invest in and show interest in their children so that their child has tools that they need to be able to follow God later in life. And I just think about my walk before I was a disciple, how I just was being molded into someone who was able to follow God when the time came. And then also said masters in verse six, verse nine, it says, do the same to them. I just, masters are to practice authority over their slaves by acting as slaves and leading by example, similar to how Christ became a slave to all of us when we were, when he came here and served us. But then, and also those who are called to follow are to follow as if following God, you know, not because husbands, parents, or masters are necessarily worthy of being followed, but it shows faith in the true husband, our true father, and our true master. And I think we see Christ in this as well. You know, he's the, when he, he came here, he showed submissiveness to, to God as a son, really as a wife, I think, too, and as a servant um, to God's will while he was here on earth. You know, and Christ needs to be reflected in all of our relationships. And so my question is, and this is open for discussion as well, is do you have these type of Christ-reflecting relationships in your own life? And so, like, how is that manifested, I guess? I know for, for me, something that I think about a lot is actually my, my marriage. Um, not too long ago, I was running into situations with my car, our car, our Honda, and it was not working. And I thought, oh, I can, I can fix this. And it'll be cheaper and probably not, maybe not faster, but certainly cheaper if I fix it myself. And Grace was just like, yep, whatever you want to do. Like, I'm following you. I'm trusting you with this. And it was a catastrophe. <laughs> it did not work at all. And so there was like about a week and a half of just frustration and stress working on this car. And Grace just like kept on trusting me with it. And she's like, oh, I trust you. Yep, you're leading this. And But she was also, I could see her like praying and she would call me to pray about it. And there was like, but it helped me because then it was, I could see her faith, but also I was like, okay, I have to be a better reflection of Christ in our marriage because Grace is such a great reflection of Christ in our marriage too. And so that's funny. Okay, we're going to bring it in here. Um, bring it in. Yep, we're going to. So if you look at the chart that I gave, that's uh, the end of paragraph B, what we're calling, what I'm calling paragraph B. We're not, and I think you even see it, right? Paul moves on. He says, finally, and then he moves on to another point. So we're going we're to shift gears here a little bit to uh, 610, paragraph A. But before we do that, I want to actually go back, and I'm going to read um, part of chapter 1. Uh, and... Uh, you guys can t- turn over there too. And uh, let's, I think I'm going to start in chapter verse. I'll start in verse 18. And just, uh, yeah, I'll just start in verse 18. It says, I pray 
that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as his mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Okay, so now I'm going to read chapter 6, starting verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's a repeated phrase. It says, Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after having done everything, to stand. So, I think, we see like this repeated language, right? It says, God, uh, it uses this term, great might, rulers, authorities, power, dominion. And then even... At the end of chapter 6, and we'll see, he, he says, hey, pray for me and other saints. And he started this with saying, I'm praying for you in this way, right? And there's this idea of if we're strong in the Lord and in unity with Christ, we are guaranteed to join in his inheritance to be set above all things. And we know that because Christ is already set above all things. Mm-hmm. So... I'm bringing in a couple different things from around the book here, so just bear with me. So we're, we have this inheritance. We're supposed to be imitators of Christ. So when Christ, how did Christ struggle with and wrestle against spiritual evil that we see here in his life? So the ESV uses the word wrestling instead of struggle. So mm-hmm. I, just, I really like that word. And so mm-hmm. I did wrestling when I was in high school. So... I wrote, Jesus' wrestling style was a style of self-denial and self-sacrifice. And I think about Paul. He's writing this letter to to these churches, right? He's in prison. He even addresses himself a couple times as a prisoner of Christ, an ambassador in chains. And when you look at his life right now, it certainly seems like he's someone who's kind of lost. Right? He's, he's lost a flesh and blood. How can he spread the gospel? How is he going to do these things for God? But I think Paul has kind of, he's been blessed with something we've been talking about a lot, wisdom and revelation to see the spiritual battle that's going on. And there's this understanding that victory in the spiritual realm is going to look like defeat in the physical realm. And he, I think he's even encouraging his readers and his listeners, you know, who are also being killed, persecuted, thrown into prison, that our God is God who raises from the dead. Right. You know, you have to die first if you're going to raise from the dead, right. right? And death and persecution isn't defeat. And so we look at the armor of God. 
I think it's easy for us to look at it and be like, oh yeah, like I'm powerful, the armor of God. And it's like, yeah, and we're arming ourselves with the strength of his might, but this might let Jesus die in order that he could raise him from the dead. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. so and he's encouraging his, his readers, hey, we're not, whatever the physical stuff is, the people throwing you in prison, that's not the enemy. There's something bigger going on here. And so, whether, here's another open question, just kind of opening it, opening it up. In your own life or in other people's, where have you seen spiritual victory that's looked an awful lot like defeat, physical defeat? And I think, like, something I was thinking of a lot was actually the interpersonal conflict too. Um, so I think all these, like, they all really, really apply. Uh, when I, I did construction, I actually just quit my job um, like last week in construction. And like I did it for two and a half years since I moved to Michigan. And like construction as a whole is a pretty rough, kind of like rough people. But then like roofing is like the kind of the... What's the app? Like the epitome of like yeah, the, yeah exactly. And so like <laughs> this, yeah. And so I just think of different interactions that I had when working, where I mean, just because of my my faith, my belief, how, like how I view work, like how often I worked, or if I'm like, oh, I gotta leave because I got Bible study, or I can't work this week because I got this going on, or even how I handled conflict, like the things, the words that. I was called, the things that I was called, like, were very unsavory and things that I wouldn't really repeat in a church setting, you know, um, more often than not. Like, and I kind of sat there and ate it for about two and a half years a lot of the times. And then, then I, I found this other job and I quit. And then last week, I, as I was, like, leaving... It was my last day there. There was this sense of people were like, hey, a lot of guys that like said these really rude things to me were like, well, it was really a pleasure working with you. Like, we're really great. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think like, man, you know, no, no one became disciples from that. I actually didn't even have any Bible studies. And I had a couple people come to church once, but, or I didn't have it, but a couple people came from church mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of that for a little bit. Um, but... Like, there's still a, the door's open for them, you know, and, like, I think if I had argued about this, that, or the other thing, like, would they, maybe I would have won arguments, maybe I would have gotten more respect from them in, like, the immediate sense. People would have been like, oh, yeah, he is a man because he swore at me and yelled at me, but then what door would there be for them to be able to go to God in the future, you know? And And I think as Paul is writing this letter and he's he's pondering things and I, I think it actually when we look at well we can just keep going verse 18 it says um uh it talk, goes to the armor of god and then in verse 18 it says and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the lord's people pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And so even he he's writing these people and it's like, this is just kind of like the, the reality, like spiritual victory looks like 
physical defeat, pray for me that I'm able to keep doing that, mm-hmm. keep viewing the world in this way, mm-hmm. keep doing the thing that got me in trouble in the first place. He doesn't pray for you know, his life to get easier or to be released from prison or whatever. Um, and so we're wrapping up here. Is someone praying for going into communion? Or, I can, okay. And so we're, we're wrapping up here. Um, I, I want to leave us with this sense and like really a challenge as we move forward to pray, ask someone to pray for us over the next week, specifically to be, you know, we've been praying for wisdom and revelation, but I think also just awareness of the spiritual battle mm-hmm. um, and what victory really looks like. Yeah. And we're reflecting that because of Jesus was able to win that victory, Jesus was able to die for us. And that's why we're doing this in the first place. That's why we're able to inherit victory. Amen. Amen. So I'm going awesome. to say a prayer. And then uh, I... The communion, you got it. Okay, sweet. Um, uh, Father, thank you so much for... God, you just give us the opportunity to come to you in in prayer, in your word, and in, in meeting together, Lord, as we sit here and we are considering Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for us. And I, I pray that you help us see just really be so aware of the spiritual battle, Lord, and not not to be distracted by what by comfort, by what feels good, by what looks like might be like a, a victory or a win or but to be really aware of um the inheritance that you've given us, Lord, that we are have access to through um self-denial and self-sacrifice lord help us to imitate christ lord even to death if it's necessary lord help us to really just be considering of all that jesus has done for us lord and and um god it's in his name that we pray amen Amen. thank you so much for listening to the kalamazoo church of christ podcast if you're in the kalamazoo area we'd love to get connected please go to kalamazoo.church and fill in your information to come to a Sunday service or any other event that we have going on. In any case, you'll be hearing from us next week. Come on! Too busy saving souls.